Good morning. You know, sometimes here in the congregation, we as the leadership in the congregation, we need to give a message that we don't like to give. And of the three leadership people here, it has fallen on Danny this morning. So we need some special grace. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of tithe and offerings. And I believe that this subject needs to be given forth as a message in every congregation at least once a year. And like I said before, this is not a very popular message. And I believe that this message is so important in the life of a believer that it will really um, impact the life of the believer. You know, from our character, our human nature, we do not like to give. We always like to receive. I didn't hear any amens. <laughs> we like to receive. We don't like to give. And if we give, it's usually we giving in order that we are receiving. And the Word of God specifically tells the way a believer is supposed to be giving. And that there wouldn't be any misunderstandings. The Word of God is very clear on how we're supposed to give. Giving is really a godly thing. God always gives. He doesn't hold back from us. He always gives us the best. I believe that the best gift that he has given us is his son, Yeshua. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I'd like to pray at the same time. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I ask that this morning you would speak to each one of us. That you will really give us a revelation of your word as far as giving is concerned. Give us ears to hear and a heart to hear. Father, I ask that you would help us to really concentrate in your word. Father, I pray that everything that we need to do, whether it's today or tomorrow or this next week, everything that we need to do would be underneath the control of the Holy Spirit. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. And so the whole uh, subject of giving and tithes and offering was really something that took place even before the Torah came about, the first five books of Moses. So here in Genesis, we see the story of Abraham, that he went forth in order to save Lot. Lot was taken prisoner by um, an army, a ruling army, and uh, so Abraham went to save him, to rescue him. And so as he came back from saving him, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, came to him. But there also came somebody else towards him. We're going to read in Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And so this man that we read about here, Melchizedek, we don't see exactly which lineage or line of lineage that he came from. But what we know about him is that he is the king of righteousness, Melech Tzedek. We see that he is the priest of God Most High. And even before, there was really actually a priestly lineage. So we see that the priestly lineage came really after the children of Israel came out of Egypt when God chose Aaron. And it, he's called the king of Salem. And it also comes forth forth the word King of Jerusalem. And all of a sudden we have a historical king that shows up. 
He comes and he gives to Abraham bread and wine. And he blessed him in verse 19, and he says, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20, And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So Melchizedek comes forth to Abraham. He blesses him. And then Abraham does an act. From everything that he has, everything that he has, he gives to Melchizedek a tithe. And in the book of Hebrews, we see a better picture of who really Melchizedek is. We won't turn there in order to save some time. But in Hebrews, it's written about him that he is like Messiah. So it's actually in Hebrews 7, 17, if you're taking notes. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And Danny just told us that if you're taking notes, you can write it down in Hebrews 7, 17. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to hop around some this morning. We're coming now to Jacob. And according to what you know about Jacob is that he received the blessing of his father through some deceit. And uh, Esau, his brother, is planning on killing him. And Jacob runs for his life. So we're in Genesis chapter 28. So Jacob is tired. He's finding a place to sleep. He's resting. And he is dreaming a dream. And he sees a ladder coming from heaven. And it's connected to the earth. And he sees the angels of God ascending and descending. And God speaks to him. And he speaks to him promises that are so wonderful. He says that your, your seed will be like the seed of the earth. And that the place where you're laying, I will give to you. And Jacob wakes up from this wonderful dream. And from eight, verse 18 we read, Genesis 28:18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put on his head, at his head, set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. So he built him an altar there. He pours oil upon the stone, and he says, "This place is holy." And then he makes a vow to God, and he makes a promise to God. Let's read that promise, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, "If God will be with me." and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you so Jacob is making a vow before the Lord and I want you to understand that the moment you make a vow before the Lord he expects you to live by it and do it. Don't give a vow or a promise to God if you are not willing to go through with it. And I believe that Jacob made this promise with all of his heart, and God was faithful to him. I won't go into the whole story, but God was with him. God watched over him. God kept him. So Jacob probably knew from his own father, from Isaac, and also from his grandfather Abraham, that to give a tithe unto the Lord was something that the Lord wanted and expected. I know that there's a lot of confusion, especially among the believers, between a tithe or a tenth and the offering. 
And so we want to make some differentiations here on the subject. Your tithe or your tenth is a um, predetermined amount that you are giving to God. For instance, if you receive a hundred shekels, you are giving ten shekels to God. This is an amount that you cannot compromise on. It is one-tenth. If you've got ten shekels, you give the Lord a shekel. And this is what Danny and Luann are also teaching their girls. When they're receiving gifts or when they're making money doing babysitting jobs, a tenth of that money goes to the Lord. I'm going to say this very straight and clear. This 10% is not an option. And this 10% is not yours also. This belongs to God. And I'm going to say it again very clearly. This 10% belongs to God. It does not belong to you. But we say, oh, I worked really hard for this. I really put out myself the whole month. I was sweating. I was very tired. What, I'm giving to God 10%? Yes. Because He is the one that gives you the strength. He's the one that gives you the grace to work. He deserves this. The offering, according to the Torah, after you give your 10%, then you are giving an offering. And so in the agricultural field, maybe a farmer, after he went and harvested his wheat, after he went and gathered all of his grains of wheat, after he realized exactly how much his wheat weighed, he would pull out one-tenth. There's an offering that you give to others or in order to specially bless a certain project. And so with an offering, you can take one little grain of wheat and you can give it. And it's given as a gift. And with an offering, you don't have to give a certain amount. It's not a predetermined amount what you give as an offering. It's what you give from the generosity of your heart. And so our wise people thought about this subject. And so in, in the rabbinical area, it showed that many people would come and after like a whole big bushel of apples came in, they would only give one apple. And so this is where we get the, the gift, the, the law of giving. And there are those that give a gift with what is called a good eye. He, he gives generously, uh, overwhelmingly. And then there are those that maybe give with a medium-looking eye, always checking things. These are the ones that give exactly what is needed. Not a shekel more, not a shekel less, exactly. And then there are those that give with a bag. Those are the ones that only give one shekel. They're the ones that would only give one little tiny grain of wheat. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians in the New Covenant, chapter 9. And we will read a scripture about the law of giving. Chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. We're going to read verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows 
bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is the law of giving. You give a little bit, you will reap a little bit. If you harvest a lot, you will reap a lot. It's not complicated, right? It's not like you have to have a degree in the university to understand this. And I'm not speaking here only about money. I'm also speaking about giving of yourself, to give of yourself in services. I know a lawyer and I know a gardener. Not only do they give of the Lord the 10%, but they also give 10% of their time to the Lord. There's a gardener that comes here once a month and he helps us here with our gardening. This is part of his gift of giving, part of his offering. Not that you say, oh, you have to give the money and that's it. But God expects of us to give of our services to him, of our capabilities. Later on, we will come back to 2 Corinthians, but right now let's go back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant to Numbers. Numbers chapter 18. Last week we heard Pastor David speak about the priests in the last days. Let's read here what the Lord says to the priests. We're going to read from verse 21 about the children of Levi. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. There's a little bit of Russian confusion. We're going to wait just a few minutes for the Russians to catch up with us. We don't want to miss this verse. Numbers 18, verse 21. Verse 24, for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So when the tabernacle was in place, God required of the children of Israel to give a tithe. This tithe was necessary in order to uh, provide for the Levites and for the house of God. God organized this way of giving. We here did not uh, decide and think up this idea. This is the way that God did. This is the way that God chose for those that would be set apart for his work. So when I speak about the work of God, it's not like for people that are just like sitting on a nice comfortable chair all day and just relaxing and saying hallelujah. Think about what they needed to do in the tabernacle. Who was cleaning there? Who was there from morning till evening that was there giving and teaching to the people? Do you know how dirty it was in that altar area full of blood? Who was cleaning these places? Who were, the, who were the ones that were helping? The Levites. And God asked that there would be a tithe or given to the Levites in order to help cover this. Not all, not all of the children of Israel were, were required to do this. There were some that were working in agriculture. Some of them were buying and selling. But God requested of them 
expected of them to bring their tithe into the storehouse. If we do this, oh, if we don't do this, then the house of God will not work. But God expects of us in order to complete this request. But even the Levites who received this tithe, they needed to give a tithe of the tithe that they got. They were not released from this. Let's go down to verse 26. Speak to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. So there was nobody that could just say, Well, give to me because I'm working for God. Also, they needed to give of their tithe. And he's trying to teach, here God is trying to teach the children of Israel that they need to give. Let's go back to the New Covenant to Mark chapter 12. Maybe somebody's here and they say, oh, Danny, you know I'm not rich. I really don't know anybody here that is rich. And I'm speaking about financial. Maybe there's somebody here and I don't know about it. <laughs> Maybe there are most of you here that say, you know what, I'm barely getting to the end of the month. I'm always in minus. I need for them to give to me. I can't give. Let's look in the scriptures here at a woman in a situation that was probably much worse than any of us sitting here. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now, now Yeshua sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. And he called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to their treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I know that in the congregation here we have widows and we have single parent families. But I'm going to tell you that this woman here in the scriptures was in a much worse situation than any of you. You know why? Because she didn't have national health insurance. She was a widow and in those days they were dependent only upon their family. And if the family didn't care for her, she was without anything. She lived from offering. But she knew from within her heart that to give to God is something so wonderful. She gave two little coins. Let's say that she gave 20 agarot. And she gave all that she had. And Yeshua is sitting there and he sees these things. And he sees rich people. Many of them came and they put in big amounts of gold. And if it was us, we would say, wow, look at how much they're giving. And Yeshua says, these people gave out of their abundance from what they had left over. What they gave will not really make a matter or a difference in their way of life and the way they live. It'd be like if Bill Gates gave to the congregation a million dollars. Maybe for us, it would be like, wow. But for him, 
It doesn't really move anything. It's not a big difference. And the moment that he would actually give it, it would actually come back to him already. And this is exactly the way the rich people gave. Maybe it would impress the people that are around, but it did not impress God. He is looking for people, not only people that will give, but people that will give out of sacrifice. And so he's looking for those that will say, I'm going to give up to the Lord, and I'm going to give my 10%, and I'm going to give it as unto the Lord. And this is something that encourages me. God sees. The Lord sees, and he blesses. Not only does he see, but he blesses. So there's a, a certain scriptures here that we're going to find in the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, they're famous scriptures as far as giving and tithe. In Hebrew, the book of Hebrews, it's going to be exactly before Psalms, but if you're in your English Bible, you better find it differently. Here, Malachi is telling the children of Israel. We'll read from verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So in the first verses here that we're reading, God is challenging the children of Israel. They say, what does it mean to return to you? What did we do? But you come and you look specifically at a sin in our life, but we don't know what we did. Then he says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? But you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In Hebrew, we have the word that says rob, robbing, stealing, taking what is not ours. And he's telling to the children of Israel, You are stealing from me. What are we stealing from you? And then he says to them, in your tithe and your offering. You come to celebrate all the holidays. You come to pray. You're fasting. You're doing all the things in the right way. But when it comes to tithe and to offering, you're not giving. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it's the character and the nature of man that likes to keep and to hoard it unto themselves. They don't want to give. God says to them, in the moment that you are not giving to me the tithe and the offering that comes to me, you are stealing, robbing from me. Verse 10. Amen. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Amen. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So here God says to the children of Israel, bring the tithe, bring the offering. And I'm giving you a chance to really try me. When you do this, you'll see that I will open up for you the windows of heaven and you will receive a blessing that you cannot contain. You know that to give in faith is not easy. To give to somebody in faith is not easy. But this is what God says. You, first of all, give to me 
what I deserve, and then you'll see how I will bless you. I will open up the windows of heaven. Amen. I want the windows of heaven open over my, my family. I want the windows of heaven open over our congregation. Because the moment that I don't do this, because the moment that I don't do this, I am stopping the blessing coming forth upon my family and upon my congregation. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that many believers do not have a, a spiritual breakthrough in their finances because of this point right here. Because they're not giving to God what He deserves. Amen. Listen, God can do it without us. He made the heavens and the earth. God says, I have all the, the gold and the money. He can make it without us. But He chose this way in order that we might learn to give and that we would learn to be generous. And you know one of the things that really makes me laugh? That we say, Lord, make me like you. And then we don't really want to do what he does. Sometimes we're singing songs and we're just going over and over the words again. We're not even really paying attention to what we're singing. If you're calling up with the Lord to make you like him, then he expects of you to walk in this way, his way. He'll bring into your life situations that you'll say, why is this happening to me? But you, in reality, ask for this. He wants to change us into his image. He calls us to behave as he behaves. He gives. He always gives. If you think you don't have, I want you to go and go maybe visit in Egypt. You'll feel like a millionaire in Egypt. Yes, a millionaire. When I was there, I thought maybe I had a financial problems. I was there, I was like a millionaire there because I saw the way people lived. God blesses us. He continues to bless us. And He wants to bless us, amen. But we should never be a people that stands before Him as a people who robs Him of His tithe and offering. Let's see, part of the blessings. Malachi 3.11 Part of the blessing says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. What a wonderful blessing. Everything that you do, God will bless. God will allow it to prosper. But not only that, but people will look at your life, then they'll say, wow, this man is blessed. Not that you'll be driving around in a Mercedes and saying, oh, God is blessing me. But people would see the blessing of the Lord upon your lives, in your personal life, in your married life if you're married, upon your work, in everything that you put your hand to. Because the hand of God is upon you. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus chapter 27. And Danny is uh, requesting of each of us or suggesting that we learn this verse by heart. I'm actually 
saying not to do what's written in this verse, and you'll understand why. Let's read verse 31. 2731, if a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. Let me explain this to you. Okay, you have your tithe, your tenth, but you need money for something really important quickly. So you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to take from my, off from my uh, tithe and then I'll give it back later. And God says, okay, you can do that. Feel free to do this. But, aha, uh-huh. here's the but. You need to return it back to him with an addition of 20%. Wow, what is there such a high inflation over here? Interest is so high. And I believe that God does this and says this so that we do not take from that tithe. Because I believe that God wants us at the beginning of every month to give to him his tithe that he needs, not to take away from it for house payments or anything else. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Are you with us this morning? Amen. We're very quiet this morning. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm only speaking about tithes and offering. 2 Corinthians 9. And let's read verse 7. So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's speaking here about an offering, not about your tithe. And here we we know again that your offering is something that comes out of the generosity of your heart. I want you to understand one thing, if you haven't understood it up until now. So once more, I'm going to remind you that your tithe, your tenth, goes to God. It goes to the congregation. I don't take from my tithe and use it as an offering to something else. When we take up front for the raven's basket for the needy, this is an offering. It is not your tithe or your tenth. And when you see the bigger basket passing around, this is what you put your tithe into. And so once more, I want to just put the emphasis on this. So when I come to give, the attitude and the approach needs to be right and correct. It's not good enough to just obey the Word of God. You need to have a good approach and a good attitude. If you come and you're holding on to that money really tight, and you say to yourself, Wow, I could have used this and this, the basket goes by and you're not sure, and you hold it close, and you say, oh, not to give, oh, to give, not to give. And you start to put your hand over and give it, and then you pull it back. And this is from sorrow that you're giving. The approach and the attitude needs to be, hallelujah, amen. Here I go, I give. God has blessed me. He has told me to keep me to keep 90%. And I've given him 10%. This week is going to be great. Amen. Because God is going to bless me with certain things. He's promised. He will open up the windows of heaven. And he will pour out a blessing till I cannot contain it. When I come to give, I come with joy. Not depressed downcast not like that God doesn't like that 
And look what else he says. Verse 8. Amen. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have sufficiency in all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. Not that God just says he'll give us enough for what we need. He will give us more than we need. But he doesn't give you more than what you need in order for you to keep it. He gives you more than what you need in order that you can give out and do good deeds and keep it going. It's written in the Word of God. In the Word of God, it says that the root of all evil is the love of money. You can read this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are not turning to there. If I love the money, I will not give it. I'll keep it. And you know what? You cannot take it with you to heaven. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> you can put all your money in the bank in Switzerland. But one day will come that you'll say goodbye to this world. We're in reality here. I wish all of you here to have a long life and live to 120 years old. But there will come a day when you will not be able to take it with you. One of the things that was always uh, amazing to me is the pharaohs in Egypt. They had such uh, an approach of the uh, idol worshiping then that they, they took all of their riches, all of their gold, all of their wealth, and even their servants, and they put them all into this grave, and they believed that in the next world, all of their riches, all of their wealth, even their servants would be with them in the next world. And now we must guess where are, is all of this treasure. Most of it is mu in museums. They're, it's not in heaven. And the point here, brothers and sisters, is that every time I give to the Lord and I give to the work of the Lord, my bank account in heaven is getting full. Amen. Maybe I won't get much thanks in this world. Maybe there'll be people that don't even know that I gave. <laughs> Danny Sayag has, you know, it, it will not be written that Danny Sayag has given an air conditioner to the congregation. But when we get to heaven, God remembers all things. All the wonderful things that we've done. I want to be able to stand before him, amen, and be clean. And say, God, everything that you've given to me, I've given of a tenth. And you've given me an opportunity to bless other people with offerings, and I have done it. I don't want to be one person who stands before God, and I have kept back and, and robbed from God in order to keep for myself. We're going to finish in verse from Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So sisters, it's something that is related to our heart. If I live the words from the scriptures, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. He will be my treasure. He will be the first 
point in my life. And to give to him is not going to be a problem for me. I'm giving it to him in love. Let's stand. I want us to take time that each one of us will really check ourselves before the Lord. If there's something in us that we need help on and we need to take care of it, this is the time to come before the Lord. Let's take this time to come to the Lord in repentance. Father, I ask that you forgive us about each time that we have not trusted in you, that we have not given to you what you deserve. Father, cleanse us from this sin. Father, make us a generous people, people that love, people that would put you in the first place, in the right priority of our life, of our lives and of our congregation. Father, I pray from this point on, we will not rob you, but we will always give to you what you deserve. Father, we don't want anything in our lives that would stop the blessing that would come from you. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua that you would put forth faith, Father, into the people here that need a portion of faith this morning to give to you in generosity, to give to you in joy, to give to you what you deserve. Father, we thank you. We worship you. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, Lord. Maybe we can sing a song. We'll have some worship. And we're going to sing a song this morning that says, Here is my life. I give it to you. I consecrate it to you. Make me as you want according to your will. Pay attention to these words. Are we ready and able this morning to say to the Lord, Here is my life. Make my life as you would like. So we feel here as the leadership that the Lord really wants to bring a breakthrough in some of your lives. And I believe that he wants to bring a financial breakthrough. God wants to bring a financial breakthrough through some of you in your lives. And if you need prayer for this, if you need, if you need time to just come before in repentance to the Lord, the altars are open for this.